Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, and today, lessons in effective space planning on a helicarrier. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we are talking about Minute 86, which begins with Black Widow nailing Hawkeye and ends with Thor bouncing along the New Jersey shore. Back on the show, we have playwright Dean O'Carroll. Hello, Dean. Hey, everybody. Yes, it is catwalk time. This minute, actually, we have a very brief shot of the of the cell falling. We'll get back to that later in the minute. And then we jump into the engine room where we see Natasha and Clint mid-fight. We're coming in on the two of these non-supers going toe-to-toe. How does this uh, sequence play for you? Do you like the way that uh, this action works? I mean, I think the specific like fight choreography of this is is one of the less exciting uh, battles in the uh, uh, in the movie. Um, and it's always one of these close quarters fights. And then, you know, the, the hallway fight sort of has exploded in popularity uh, in, in recent years and in, in in definitely Marvel stuff, but I think in some other things too. Um, and this is, you know, I suppose not exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's not, it's not quite, it's not quite that one or that fantastic one or that's yeah. kind of tracking the whole thing, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, I guess she has in, in Iron Man 2. That's one I think the best yeah. thing in Iron Man 2 is, is her taking out a bunch of goons while Happy just sort of keeps punching one guy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one of my favorite moments in that movie. That is truly my second, that's my, my central complaint about this, this minute is that the fight we get here is worse than the other principal fights that we know of Black Widow. And it's, it just feels sort of banal. So I'm trying to figure out in this minute, what do they want me to, to be feeling while I'm watching these two characters go at one another. And, you know, it's maybe the best friendship in the MCU that we've, we've had. I mean, well, I don't know you, I mean, you could, you, you can make the point for Tony and Rhodey, or of course, uh, Cap and Bucky, but, uh, uh, and later Cap and Sam. But, um, you know, these are, you know, characters who are very much defined by their friendship and their relationship to each other. Um, since they haven't had their own movies yet, they, uh, at this point, this is, I think the first, I guess, three times we see them fighting each other. I, I think throughout the course, right? So this is the uh, they fight in this, and then they they are on opposite sides in civil war until Natasha switches sides. And while they're fighting in that, they do one point she's we're, we're still friends, right? Even though we're we're fighting each other. Um, and then of course the big uh, fight uh, uh, about which one of them is going to get to sacrifice themselves in uh, in Endgame, right? So I don't think that was at all planned that it would sort of be a sort of you know trilogy of of uh, fights between the, the two of them, but it, it does wind up playing out that way. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting when you uh, just jumping back to specifically like the actual fight itself and how the fight looks, you know, there's so much of that that boils down to the stunt choreography paired with the cinematography and the direction as far as how do all of these pieces come into play. I mean, we have Scarlett Johansson doing some of her stunts here, Heidi Moneymaker doing some of her stunts. So they're the same pair that were doing the stunts in Iron Man 2. So what is it about this one that that looks different? Is it the way that, you know, Seamus McGarvey is the cinematographer here? Um, you know, is he doing something different in the way that that he's decided to uh, shoot the the fight? You know, we had uh, Matthew Libatique shooting Iron Man 2, you know, and and certainly a name in cinematography that I, I you know, think of more in creative photography than Seamus McGarvey. Likewise, the direction. And, and so, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's an interesting 
dance between all of these different departments to actually build a fight scene. And when you look at a fight scene like this, it's like, yeah, it's fine. You know, they're on a catwalk and they're punching and hitting and and slashing knives and stuff at each other. Uh, it does make you wonder, is there something that they could have done to bring this up? Or are they in some capacity purposefully bringing it down a bit because they know they want the fights with the supers to actually have more of that exciting energy. And while they want this one to be exciting, they don't want it to potentially, you know, look better than one of those. I, I think there's, there's something to that, Andy, because that was, that was sort of where I was going with it. That part of the reason I think it looks meager is that it is presented in the context of a sequence that is very, very big. Right. Like every other fight, we have the principal fight between Hulk and Thor. We have very big engine mechanics going on outside and Cap is fighting a bunch of guys while doing monkey bars. Like there's just a lot going on elsewhere on the ship that to cut to this kind of meager mano a mano human to human fight feels uh, almost dismissive of the rest of the action sequence that's going on here. And I I wonder if the objective was to somehow knock Hawkeye out is a fist fight with with Black Widow. Was that the most clever way to do it? Right. Like, was that the most interesting thing they could have done to separate Hawkeye from his mind control? That is the the ultimate feeling that I'm left with. Like wh- this this was a banal way to do what they needed to do. I like Hawkeye in the the movies uh, quite a bit, and I uh, of course I like Jeremy Renner uh, as an actor. But still, I think of all the characters that I say, oh, I wish it was more like the comics. It, it's Hawkeye that that um, that I uh, for me Hawkeye is like Mister Avenger, you know, but only Cap and Iron Man more so than than him, and you know, and all the jokes like, but he just has a bow and arrow, like, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, he's you know he's traveling through space, he's he's fighting with uh, with gods and 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 super mechs, uh, and, and he had just has a bow and arrow, and he's absolutely a part of the team, and that's you know, and, and he's also he's the weakest guy, and he's got the biggest chip on his shoulder and the biggest attitude in, in the comics, and so the. The Jeremy Renner sort of, you know, quiet, uh, you know, earnest family man take on Hawkeye is a cool character in and of himself, but it's so radically different from the Hawkeye that I know. The guy who was, you know, constantly, uh, you know, uh, you know, razzing Cap for being old, uh, or and you know, and, uh, and and you know, trying to make time with Scarlet Witch, and you know, all all the things that sort of the 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 bratty, obnoxious Hawkeye of the of the sixties and and then into the uh, and beyond uh, was was such a, a fun character for. In the movies, Tony gets you know to be the wise guy character that that Hawkeye was, and so he so he doesn't get to be that. I, I don't know if you guys you know if you remember that you know originally Hawkeye was introduced as uh, basically a villain in, in Iron Man comics. That uh, that you know Black Widow first had been a, a villain in Iron Man comics, and then she you know after like battling him once or twice and losing you know says like, oh I I know I'll, I'll bring in this like circus archer uh, and uh, <laughs> and you know and seduces him and they become a couple and uh, and he's not necessarily you know uh, you know geared towards villainy but then sort of gets tricked into uh, into it and then eventually uh, you, know, you know battles Iron Man once or twice and then uh, gets reformed and, and joins the Avengers. And uh, and uh, uh, you know, still still hung up over Natasha, and uh, anyway, and that was that's a, that's a great character arc, and I'm uh, uh, I it would have been nice to have seen that play out, um, but yeah. Well, the, 
I mean, that's interesting because, you know, you do hear periodically, uh, you know, fans of comic book characters uh, in the MCU complaining about the fact that uh, this character isn't who it was in the comic books. Do you are, are there others that you find that you take issue with as far as like how they've changed certain characters uh, that, that where they don't line up anymore? I think I like, you know, I think I'd like movie Iron Man better than uh, the comics Iron Man where he was, you know sort of a more of a tortured soul um and you know he, he's gotten quippier sort of you know, you know now that you have uh uh the the junior voice in all of our heads uh he's uh, uh so yeah i think that's i think was an improvement real hard to justify you know the the original sort of you know teenage mascot version of bucky from from the comics in the in the movies i i can appreciate that um but that was you know such a great you know guilt thing for captain you know that you know that he he let a uh, a boy be a sidekick and then he died um uh you know uh saving him uh you know and captain having always having that guilt with him was such a great uh character motivation uh for him so you know, um, you know, losing a best friend is, you know, uh, uh, is also tragic and, and, and heartbreaking. Um, but you know, an adult who knew what he was doing and signed up for, uh, for the combat himself is uh, quite a different matter from, uh, from a kid who, <laughs> as I recall, the origin of, of Bucky in the comics that he, he, he walks in on Steve changing into, yes. into costume one day and he says, well, right. okay, you can be my side. Right. Now. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so Come here, little boy. Let's learn how to keep yeah. secrets. <laughs> it's just awful. <laughs> Well, you put it that way. Jeez, took it down I'm a really saying. dark. Hey, well, yeah, you're not, you're not far off. I mean, it's it is interesting, um, like the changes they made, and, and there certainly are issues with Hawkeye. You know, certainly we've talked about plenty of issues. Just the fact that Hawkeye is essentially, uh, you know, made a villain in this film right from the get go, and it takes so long um, for them to make him good again. You know, it's it's that's a frustrating element, and and we're kind of at that point where things might switch but it's interesting pete you know you talked about what their what you know i suppose her goal here here is at this particular moment i mean you know so far we've had mercenaries that are faceless mercenaries and so uh fury and hill have been fine just just shooting them or or taking them down they know that clint is here they saw him uh you know up in the in the vents as he's kind of shooting arrows down into the the bridge so this is the opportunity to like catch him. And I guess that's the question is like, what is, uh, what is Natasha's goal? Is it to knock him out? I mean, they don't know at this point that knocking him out will break this mind control. No, I think we get a sense of that in the, in the fight, right? That at some point she, she sort of turns at the end and, and that one last decisive punch. Yeah. Feels like it's a response to something she's, she is suddenly aware of. I think absolutely, yeah. The, the point I was actually trying to get to when I before I went on my my long uh, uh, digression was that even though um, you know this doesn't feel like a Hawkeye that I know, this plot line is absolutely the sort of thing you stamp in Hawkeye in uh, in comics that he would inevitably be the one who would get brainwashed by the villains and then could only be healed by a blow to the head. That was exactly the kind of sort of embarrassing thing that would happen to poor Hawkeye all the time. So that so that I uh, I, I really did love. That's actually pretty funny. That's good to know, because we've been sort of like, it's hard not to harp on that a little bit. And for me, I'm on the record, I'm such a fan of Jeremy Renner, that it's hard to watch Jeremy Renner be in the Avengers movie, knowing that he's an Avenger, he's Hawkeye, and to be a villain for the first 85 minutes of the movie. Yeah, I mean, almost a full hour and a half before he finally uh, comes back to normal. It's it's pretty frustrating. But, and, and, you know, so this moment here, the I mean, the fight, 
uh, as far as the mind control powers, I guess, you know, they get this sense that, you know, they're seeing, okay, he doesn't, Loki obviously doesn't need to have the scepter for all of these people to still be under his control. And then she, she basically flips over his forearm and throws him, like spins him around and, and smacks his head into the railing. And that's the point where, where Clint finally kind of, uh, groans and kind of slowly stands. He looks at her as if, you know, he's finally recognizing her for the first time. He says, Natasha, kind of, it's kind of mumbles out of his mouth, but he says it. And, but his eyes are still blue. He still has those crazy blue, uh, mind controlled eyes. And I was like, okay, so maybe that's why she punches him. Like she sees that his eyes haven't changed. And, and so she's just like, I'm just going to take you out and then we'll deal with you later. Yeah, I I kind of I I mean I feel that way though. D- to me it really feels like when she hears the the word Natasha, she sees like he's calling her by that name as an act of intimacy and realization that there's still Hawkeye in there. There's still, you know, uh Clint is still in there. And that that's why I I feel like it it triggers that final punch to knock him out and deal with him and see if she can fix him. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's kind of what we're meant to think. I mean, she's been, ever since he was taken, she has been the one who's been scrolling through the computers, looking up, you know, has has there been any hit on him yet as far as trying uh, their, their face uh, trackers, trying to scan through the population's, um, you know, cameras and find images of him. And she's been the one who is always bringing up Clint as somebody that they have to uh, figure out. And this is the moment. And, I mean, he's attacking her. So, yeah, I guess that is essentially what she's trying to do is figure out a way to incapacitate him so that they can deal with it later. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it works. I like the way that I I like the resolution of this scene. Let's say the fight sequence itself is eh, it's fine. It's a fine sequence. Yeah. But I, I do it's like... It's just weird that it's so underwhelming. That's the thing. It just feels like, okay, this is a fight on the... And, and I haven't even made the comment that we have come back to time and time again, that this is another new location, right? Ostensibly a new location in the helicarrier that is long, long, very large corridor with no other people <laughs> on it. And uh, it feels like like this does not look like the the aircraft carrier model. Like this is no Nimitz. <laughs> this is like, this is like boho kind of uh, building. It it doesn't play for me. I I think that's probably another problem with it that it feels so out of context with the rest of the setting that we're given inside the the ship. Even this is different than the other spacious areas in this particular ship. And it's another area where Hulk would absolutely destroy it if he ended up yeah. here because it is not it is not wide. It is a very narrow area. Like they they have this ship with a cell where they can put him if he gets crazy. But again, how do they get him? How do they there? get it's like him? There's there. no pan, there's no hallways <laughs> they that would fit him. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, the fight ends with her knocking him out, and we end up back with Thor. Now we're in the cell as he is falling down to the the coastline below. And uh, this is, I don't know, the first thing that came to my mind when I see this moment is, uh, I think there was a Mythbusters episode about the idea of if your car goes off a, a cliff, and if you happen to, like, you know, get out the window and you jump at the right time, 
will your jump be able to kind of counter the plummet of the car and will you be able to survive? And of course, the answer is no, because you, you too are actually falling quite fast up to that point and it doesn't quite work that way. Um, but I, that's the first thing that I go to when I see this because mm-hmm. Thor is like this little pinball bouncing around inside here and he can't get a grip. Uh, enough to i mean he does manage to get mjolnir but he can't get a grip enough to swing mjolnir and actually do any good and so i don't know i think it, it plays kind of funny uh, how does this uh this moment with thor as he's bouncing around in here work for the two of you did mythbusters have mjolnir i don't think so <laughs> i mean yeah 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 you were a few you're not a thunder guy with a magic hammer yeah i mean the thing is like you know imagine if and if Thor had died like this, and this is, was the way that the character of Thor died, that would be awfully ridiculous. <laughs> you know, uh, he just went splat. Like, oh well, all right, one down. Right, right. Yeah. So as, as an, an action moment, it's not really a matter of if, but when. You know he's going to bust out. You know he's going to make it safely. And really, if, because you've seen a movie before, you know that it's going to be at the last second, like uh, like in Galaxy Quest, when the time the timer has to go down to one second before oh, it'll shut off, even if you've turned it off before then. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think just it's it's action comfort food rather than action, you know, you know, surprise and astonishment. Action, action, surprise, and astonish is actually yeah. the name, was one of the names of the Avengers. Avengers, action, surprise, and astonish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, to me, I, I love this sequence because it, it does get me out of my head. It is, it is quite literally dizzying. And, uh, I love what my brain has to do to keep up with tumbling Thor and the, the way they time the effect of him busting through the glass, the uh, Mjolnir coming out, you, you know, that using Mjolnir to finally shatter the glass, that Hulk proof glass, and then crashing into the sea below or into the, uh, the rocky outcroppings below. I think is a great effect and it's exciting and it then silence. And that is, a, a wonderful action use of a wonderful action moment to make to, to just make me feel something right. It doesn't take me out of the movie at all. It just lets me uh, kind of be a part of it. It's it's one of those super minor minor quibbles. But when you're when this cell is turning end over end as much as it is, the, and it continues turning end over end over end. By the time Thor finally manages to get his feet on a side, um, it's it's like. I'm not exactly sure how he's holding himself there if this whole thing is still turning over and over end, but somehow no, you're he right. Manages to, Believe me, it's, y- it's, yeah, you're right here. No, I know it's <laughs> it's complete nonsense, but it's fun. It is fun, and this is this is why we enjoy this because it's Thor breaking out of a spinning uh, cell and smashing through glass just in the nick of time. It's perfect, and. What is uh, fun? It's like as we see him falling. Is is like is he going to land on the on the beach or is he going to land in the in the? Uh, I mean, we see a city, we see roads and stuff below. It's like where is this going to land? Is it going to hit a person? Is it going to squish somebody and land on their car? Is it going to hit the coast? Is it going to hit the water? Where is it going to land? And I love that they've decided it is going to land on an outcropping, like a rocky outcropping, jutting out into the water, but it's like right there, and it's like right on the line. I just, for some reason, I think it's really funny that they decided to make it so specifically like right at that point. The geography of where this is happening above is 
I'm a little uncertain of, you know, that it's, they still have to fly some distance to get to Manhattan from, uh, you know, in, in a few minutes, but it's Manhattan is also apparently just a few hours away by moped for, uh, for Bruce. I think we've uh, determined yeah. that we're somewhere in New Jersey. We're, okay. Yeah. All we're right. just, we're kind of on the, uh, because uh, Nick directed the, the shield agent at the, at the helm earlier to head south, basically keeping the sun on the left that we're like, okay, so they're probably on the Southern end of New Jersey trying to get to the bay down there by Delaware and so that they could actually uh, be over water in case the whole thing went down. And so, and I certainly will buy that once this is over, they do head back out over the ocean, you know, to be further away from civilian populations while they're sort of getting their, everything back together. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. So then that the, uh, the team that is still helicarrier does have to you know, then travel a further distance. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, the, the, the saga of exactly how Bruce manages to get back to Manhattan in time is kind of what it's just like, you know, you just need to accept that there is an explanation and it's not interesting enough to have gone into enough detail about it. But you know, <laughs> you see, you see on the moped and you say like, okay, sure. Good. Yeah. Right. I'm glad we're all here. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we end this minute with Thor. Um, it's almost like a, uh, skipping a stone on a pond. as <laughs> We see Thor skipping across the, uh, the field here uh, in uh, off the coast of New Jersey, which I don't know, it just makes me laugh kind of seeing him bouncing as the as the ground kind of explodes around him and he and, and Mjolnir kind of go flying off. Uh, it's a very fun little bit. Um, but this field, again, thanks to good old uh, Jay Shepard, who's uh, always busy at work with all these locations over at MCU Location Scout, this field was actually also filmed uh, just outside of the location where they were filming the at the very start of our film, the Joint Dark Energy Mission, our base there, uh, the interior of that filmed uh, just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, at the Plumbrook Station. This uh, is a field that was uh, just off of that. So that is where they are filming this particular scene. Nowhere near New, Jer- New Jersey. Yeah, of course. Of course, course not. Of course. <laughs> the magic of the movies. They couldn't they couldn't get permits from, from the governor. Trenton was all <laughs> locked up. <laughs> uh, well, that's pretty much the end of Minute 86. So let's wrap things up. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 87. So again, Dean, thank you so much for joining us today. So glad to be here. Tell everybody again about your plays and where they can track them down. Sure, sure. Yeah, so um, let's see. Most of my full-length parody plays are published by Play Scripts. And uh, as I said uh, uh, on our last episode, I have uh, parodies of things like Harry Potter and Star Wars and uh, uh, The Hunger Games and, and Back to the Future uh, and uh, the Marvel movies, including this one. And I will say, uh, I guess it makes sense to release this, but, uh, these things in dribs and drabs. Uh, I, I don't have an equivalent of this sequence, but I do, of course, have versions of these characters. So my version of Black Widow is named Brown Recluse. Um, nice. and, uh, yeah, uh, just for another spider. Um, and, uh, my version of Hawkeye is named, uh, Bo Just, which is a name that he has to sort of explain to people that it's a play on Bo Jest, which is, you know, uh, uh, and, yeah. And when, when the, my version of Loki hears this, my version of Loki is called Yoki, by the way, he, uh, uh, he says, uh, Bo Just, like, yeah, it's, it's from a book. Like, well, maybe you should have left it on the shelf. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, yes. And, uh, and my version of Thor is, uh, named, uh, Thorm. Um, and, uh, he explains that, uh, you know, yes, he, he, this human's got his name wrong over the years and thought it was Thor, but it's actually Thorm. Uh, anyway, it's, and it's also the root of the word storm. Nice. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Very funny. 
Well, we'll have all of Dean's links in the show notes, so just check there, everybody. And that's it for today. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with Dean one last time this week to talk about Minute 87. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks, as always, Pete. Andy, you might have forgotten. There's still a broken engine. Will it be fixed tomorrow? (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>